ask you to turn with me in your Bibles, and we're going to go to the Old Testament this morning. Everybody said amen. Yeah, it's great to go to the Old Testament. And we're going to read a, a beautiful story together that um, I trust will inspire you as we talk this morning about the fact that we need to look to the Lord. We need to look to the Lord, and, and there are many things that we can look at and um, that we are challenged to look at and encouraged to look at this morning. I want to ask you that over this particular this December and this festive season, and that's not just a seasonal thing, but, but particularly now that we will have a desire to look to the Lord. And our story will come from the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. First of all, we're going to read from chapter 17 as I introduce to you a king that I believe will teach us a whole lot of things this morning, I trust. Second Kings chapter 17 is the introduction of King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Say with me, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Amen. Hey? Nobody gives their children those long names anymore. Hey? Just Jehoshaphat's a great name. But anyway, King Jehoshaphat is introduced here, and, and it starts in this way, in verse 17. He had a, he had a father, Asa. That's amazing. I mean, A-S-A. That's the father's name. Son's name, Jehoshaphat. Makes sense, eh? It's like suddenly you know, the change of, of names came about. And there was also a change of character that came about. So um, I, I love this story because even though his father messed up and tried to do things right, we have a son here that comes and does the complete opposite and he does what is right before God. And so what we often find is that we blame our parents for our mistakes. Well, some of you do. None of you. We say, well, it's my parents' fault. They never taught me this. They never you know, introduced this to me. But here we have Jehoshaphat starting something completely new that he seemingly did not get from his parents. He purposed and he pursued God. And so in verse 1 it says, Jehoshaphat, his son reigned, the son of Asa, in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. So Israel and Judah weren't at good places with each other. They, they were fighting one another. And it says, he placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. Verse 3, listen to this. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. So his great-great-great-grandfather, David, was, was righteous and, and pleased God. And here we have Jehoshaphat saying, I'm not going to do the same things that my father did. I'm going to do something different. It says, in, in, as, we let, as we read on in verse 3, it says, He did not seek the Baals. Now, the Baals were foreign gods. It's, as you can remember, when back in, in the time of Moses, when Moses got those, those tablets from the Lord and, and the Ten Commandments on them, one of them said, You shall not serve any other. God's. Amen. And so before they moved into the promised land, God gave them clear parameters of how they would serve Him. And He said, you do not serve these gods. You're going to go into a foreign land, foreign people, and you're going to be exposed to foreign gods. There's only one God, he, God said to them, and you will serve me only. Do not serve the foreign gods. But boy, oh boy, people don't always listen. Hey? You guys are the listening ones. 
But it seems like people always try to do their own thing. And here we find that, that as the Israelites moved into the promised land, the Jews, they started being exposed to these other foreign gods and they started serving. But Jehoshaphat, now years later, says, uh uh-uh, I'm not going to seek the Baals. Baal is a foreign god. It's a Canaanite god. It's not a real god. It's a, it's a makeshift god. Like we have so many makeshift gods these days. By the way, don't serve COVID. That's a makeshift God. And we just prayed about fear and, and all those things that we actually, we, we fear something that, that, that actually wants to control our lives. And God says, I want you to serve me and not these foreign gods. And here we find an example of it where Jehoshaphat said, I will not seek the bowls, but listen to what he will seek. And this is where I want to go today. It says, but he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Israel was forsaking God. Here we have Jehoshaphat saying, I will not seek the Baals. I will not seek the foreign gods in this land that we've moved into, but I will only seek God above all other gods. So that's a testimony that you and I need to live with. We do not seek the balls. We do not seek advice from what the world can tell us of how we should live our lives. We will seek, we will look to the Lord and He will guide us. And it says further on how this now is now practiced for Him. It says in verse 5, Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in His hand. So God set things in place because Jehoshaphat sought the Lord and not the balls. And it carries on. And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. So there was a reward for the way in which he, because he sought the Lord, there was reward. It says his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah, the places where people would go to and serve these foreign gods, mountaintops, high places. And he said, no. I'm going to remove these things because I'm seeking my heart is after the Lord. By the way, if there's anything in your life that indicates that you're actually seeking other gods, remove those things. If there's anything that you've set up and said, this is the most important thing in my life and it's my car. Nobody touches my car. That could possibly be, my friend, a ball in your life. A foreign God that you set up. Even, even people in our lives, we can set them up as gods in our lives. Hey, don't, don't touch my children. Don't you, don't you dare say this about my child. I know that they, but naughty, but the, you don't tell them that. I will sort it. You don't tell me how to do this in my life because I am in control of it. This has become something more important than, than God in my life. Are we treading on? I'm saying instead of ground you this morning. Now, I'm just, I'm just challenging myself. I'm saying I cannot seek something above God. God's got to be the most important person in my life. And, and Jehoshaphat seemed to have set that in place and said, I will not let anything else become more important than God. And so we read how, how he did this. And, and, and it's so beautiful how he was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And he brought incredible stability to the country. It says in 
Further on in verse 7, in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, all those wonderful names, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them the Levites, which were the people of, of God that, that, that taught the things of God, the Levites, and all those beautiful names. And with these Levites, he, he sent priests, Elishama and Jehoram. And it says in verse 9, and they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. So what happened for Jehoshaphat is that he says, I will not seek the balls, I will seek God. And the practical implication or application of it is, I bring reform to the nation that I'm governing. I will let God's word be taught everywhere in the cities. So in other words, if we say we are seeking God and we're looking to the Lord at this time, the implication of that should be that my life speaks of all the principles of God. Wherever I go, I talk about Him. I talk about His values. And, and you know, we don't go around teaching that in the cities like they would, would have done here because we're not the king and ruling in our nation. But in the area of influence that we have, we take the values of God and we implement them. So seeking the Lord equals bringing the Word of God into our world and where we are. And so it carries on. He, he removed whatever opposed God. That's the one in verse 6 where he took the high places and he removed them. He established godly reform by, by letting the book of the law be taught. And he even brought through what he did. It says in verse 10, yeah, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. So he raises the standard. He says, yeah, we will seek the Lord. And what that meant is that the people around them started fearing God. They said, there's something happening here. We dare not go against him because he is seeking God. There's a holy fear that came upon them. And it strengthens, he even strengthened his military capabilities um, in the country in, of the nation in verses 12 to 19. Then in verse chapter 19, Second Chronicles, we read further about Jehoshaphat's reforms. We see how in verses 5, let me read this to you. Um, verse 5, it says the following. Where is verse 5? Now? He appointed judges in the land and all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Consider what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. How's this? Incredible reform that he brings about. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. Man, if we could only bring some of that into some parts of the world. Not our own country necessarily, but other parts of the world, where there would be no partiality or taking bribes. He sought the Lord, and it resulted in this. So seeking the Lord is not just, coming to a worship meeting on a Sunday morning. But looking to the Lord means that there are certain things that I implement in my life. So I say, God, I will look to you. I will only look to you. I'm not going to seek the balls. I'm not going to seek the favor of man. I'm not going to seek for riches. I'm going to seek for you and look out for you. And the implication of that is there's certain practical things that we do. And we find that this is how Jehoshaphat lived his life. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot in this country wait for things to change unless we implement the change in our lives. By seeking God with all that we have, and as a result of that saying, if He is the Lord that I seek, then His Lordship should take shape in the way that I live. And we see Jehoshaphat live like that. Clearly, the practical implications of Jehoshaphat seeking the Lord changed his life and it changed the lives of the people around him. Seeking the Lord. Listen to now the next story, part of his whole journey with God. We go to chapter 20. And there's an incredible thing that happens in this chapter. It's now seemingly had become more and more aware for the nations around Judah that Jehoshaphat was, was a righteous man. And he was implementing certain things. Now where in the past it seemed like the, the nations around him feared God because of how he lived. Now there are certain nations that are saying, nah, uh-uh, we don't like this. He's a threat to us. His reforms and the way that he wants to go about doing things are not sitting with us. We're going to attack him. And we find this in chapter 20. And says that after this, after what? After what he had done, chapter 19, all right? And, and done all these righteous things. It says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. <laughs> it's amazing. You're trying to do the right thing. You're seeking God. You're implementing things, and now people want to attack you. How many of you have ever found that? You live righteously. You're seeking God. You want to be honorable. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You want to please Jesus in all that you do. And now you have people that fight you. And the devil hates your guts. And he, and he comes against you. And all sorts of things go wrong. Amen? And it happens. And we find this now. It says in verse 2, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. Wonderful news, eh? You love it when people come and tell you those things. Oh, there's some destruction coming. Hey? Eh? It says, from beyond the sea they will come. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar. That is in Gedi. Sounds like a place here in Shonaland or somewhere. Anyway, um, in verse 3 it says, Then Jehoshaphat, listen to this. Jehoshaphat was afraid. How many of you can identify with that? Some of you just like, like slowly with that response. Jehoshaphat was afraid. He's the one that's been seeking God. He's been setting up certain things in the nation. And God's been favorable towards him. God has blessed him. And, and now when attack comes or a potential army comes and, and wants to attack him, his immediate response is fear fear. So at least for some of us, or for maybe all of us, myself included, we can identify with Jehoshaphat. Hey? Fear is a real thing. But is fear the thing that should govern our lives? No. Praise the Lord, the story doesn't end there. Because listen to what happens. Then Joshua, oh Joshua, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Praise the Lord, it doesn't stop. And what does he do? It says he set his face to seek the Lord. Yes, he's afraid. Yes, he's intimidated. Yes, he's aware of the fact that these guys can actually take us out and, and ruin all what we've done thus far. But he's saying, no, 
I will not let fear govern the way I live because I want to carry on seeking my Lord. And how many times are we not, perhaps, I'm throwing it out there, allowing whatever's happening around us to not only bring fear, but stop us from seeking the Lord. So fear is not the issue, friends. It's a continued seeking the Lord that the enemy is after. He wants to stop you and me from looking to the Lord and looking to the issues and the things around us. And we are particularly, at this point in time, challenged to let the fear of what is happening around us so intimidate us that we will not go beyond and say, I will carry on. I will continue to seek my Lord because that is where my refuge is found. It says here, he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea, Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. How's this? Not only does he say, I will, but he's involving the nation. And the nation is now saying, this is how we want to live. We want to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat brought this about. That his own pursuit in the midst of fear. He's saying, no. I will not let fear govern me now. I'm going to keep on seeking the Lord. And I'm going to involve the nation in this process. And I'm going to involve, in our context, my family in this process. I'm going to involve my wife, my husband, my children. I'm going to involve my parents. I'm going to involve friends and say, I'm deeply, deeply stirred by what happened, what's happening around me. But I will not allow that to stop me from seeking the Lord. Why don't you pray with me? Why don't you continue to... With me, look to the Lord. Come on, let's not keep on talking about the things that make us afraid. We all know what it is. And we all know the names of these things. But let's not seek them as what Jehoshaphat said. He said, I did not seek the balls anymore, but I started seeking the Lord. And it is high time for us as believers to look to the Lord and not to look at all these things. And by the way, gentlemen and ladies, we talk more about these things than about the Lord. Come on. Which actually means that we are seeking refuge, a refuge there. And actually what we look for, refuge, we find refuse, isn't it? We find rubbish. So look for the right thing at the right place, and that's God. Jehoshaphat teaches us something beautiful about this. It says in verse 5, he has this beautiful conversation with the Lord. He says, it says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of your, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of, uh, of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, as they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, the judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the house, this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. How's that? He just has this conversation with God in front of people. 
And he's actually letting the conviction of his heart become public. There was a private conviction that he had that went public. And it is, again, it's high time that we are so privately convicted of who God is that our public conversation is heard by others around us. And if you have private fears, deal with them. Seek the Lord so that your public conversation will not be fear but faith. And that's what Kilton prayed for us earlier this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, men and women, children, it is absolutely key that we have a conviction of God's incredible ability to care for us. And privately, you've got to go and seek the Lord and look to Him so that when you come out of your private moment, you become public about what you are convicted of from those private moments. But if you don't have a conviction from a public or private moment with God, you will continue to let the fear of what is driving us control our speech. Jehoshaphat understood something. It says in verse 12, I love this. Actually, let me just read to you 11. It says, Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. It says all these anim- enemies want to come and do this. Listen to verse 12. This is the crux of the matter again. He says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We, can, we know who's coming. We have an understanding that they are a great horde. And they can actually destroy us. But then Jehoshaphat uses 13 words. 13 words, ladies and gentlemen. That are so incredibly powerful. That I want us to, to grab hold of with all of our heart. But it has to come from a reality of knowing who God is. He says these 13 words. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 13 words. We do not know what to do. How many of you can say that? I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know. It's just people are falling ill and it's this and that and the economy and, and, and whatnot and, and this thing and that issue. We do not know what to do. I don't have a clue, Lord God. How am I going to get through this mess? But there's a but. I love a but in the Bible with one T. Amen. You got to just make sure we're talking about the right buts. This but says the following. But our eyes are on you, we look to you, Jesus. We look to you. Hebrews 12, the, the author writes, he says, we, we will hold fast because we consider how the, the, the ones who had faith in chapter 11, they, they went before us and, and therefore let us consider what God has done for us. And then he says, we will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That look is a beautiful, beautiful Greek word. And it has the following. I've got to just read it to you. It says, when we do this word, aforao, looking unto Jesus. Actually, what we're doing is we look away from all else. <laughs> we look away from all else. And we gaze onto him. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2. So this is what Jehoshaphat was saying. We have no idea what to do. I don't know how we're going to get through this mess. But 
are eyes are are yeah may we have a story like that may we say god i i don't know I don't know how we're going to take our family through this. and I don't know how we're going to come through this. I don't know. Next year, there's school fees again, and, and it's this and it's that. And God, I don't know. We, we've got so many people that are ill and, and this thing and that thing. And, and there's so many stories that we can tell. But you know what? We're not serving those stories. We're not bowing to those stories. We're not letting that determine the condition of our hearts because we say, but our eyes are on you. That means I look to you. I gaze upon you. When, when Jehoshaphat had this mindset, you've got to read the rest of chapter 20 to see how God delivered them. Because the Lord came to them and said, as a nation, Judah, what I want you to do, I want you to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. What he actually, God was saying to them is say, you looking at me, let me show you something of what I can do when you trust in me. When you look to me, when you seek me, let me show you something. And what happened then is they literally went and God said to them, just praise me. So they worship God. I mean, this great horde of people that, that previously we saw how Jehoshaphat had met had got the military together and there was obviously an, an ability that they had to fight. But God said, no, no, no. You're not going to do anything. Because you seek me, I will show you what I can do. And so what happened was, you find this beautiful, we've got to, i just got to read this to you. It says in verse, in verse 15, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. This is what happens when we seek the Lord, when we look to Him. It says, verse 70, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see. When you look to the Lord to see Him, you will also see His ability and His deliverance. It says, you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him and the Lord will be with you. And so Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, verse 18. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What a beautiful, incredible image of humility. And the Levites uh, of all those names stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing. Say with me, sing. One of the best things you can do is worship our king. And it's not just through song, but it's a singing from the heart that says, I have confidence in my God. And then it says, they sang to the Lord and praised Him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing, verse 22, and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were rooted for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. 
And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So these guys that came to fight Judah fought one another. God brought such confusion because the battle was a spiritual one. And they worshipped their God. They sought Him. They looked to Him. And they worshipped Him. And their worship brought confusion in the ranks of the enemy. And God brought amazing delivery. It says in, um, in verse 25, they took three days to take the spoil. This is what Judah did after everybody had been destroyed by themselves. It took them three days to pick up um, what was lying around all the spoil. And so God brought this incredible victory. And you read from verses 26 to 28 how they returned with incredible joy. And again, the fear of the God of God came upon all the countries who heard what he had done. I want to say to you, it's simple. This is not rocket science. This is not something strange, and it's still very relevant for us today. When we seek the Lord, it's not a ritual. It's not a religious exercise we go through. So <gasps> let me just quickly do what I need to do, and let's sing a few songs. It's an attitude of the heart that says, I put my confidence in my God. I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. If we can live with those 13 words, and it'll change our lives forever. I do not know what to do often. But my prayer is, God, may it, may it result in a regular response that says, my eyes are on you. My eyes is not just physical. Because where do we focus if we say, I focus on the Lord? It's a spiritual focus. It's going to the Word. And by the way, Psalm 25, verse 15. You can read this. It'll be on the screen here. It says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. My expectation is in the Lord. My hope is in God. I put it in Him. That's what it means to have my eyes focus on Him. Because literally, we don't have, and God, praise God, we don't have a physical image that we need to look at. It is a condition of the heart that we're talking about. Saying, my eyes are on you. I look to you, my God. Psalm 34 verse 5 says, Those who look to the Lord are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. When we look to the Lord as in a step of faith, as in a hoping in Him, and expecting Him, we will not be put to shame. It'll show, because the way I look starts influencing my speech. I say, this is how I want to live. I'm aware of these things. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on the Lord. And that's what I can confess and speak. Psalm 119 verse 18, listen to this. He's, he's praying. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So one of the things that we need to look to is the Word of God. When we say we're seeking the Lord, like Jehoshaphat did and said, I'm not going to seek the balls. I'm not going to seek Facebook to answer my questions. I'm going to seek what the Word of God says to me. And so the moment you engage God's Word, you start finding direction and hope and clarity. But without this, we are clueless. We have no idea. We only have the first part of those 13 words. I do not know what to do. 
I just don't know what to do. But if you start involving the word, you're saying, but my eyes are on you. Are your eyes on the Lord this morning? And it has a practical reality to it. Are your eyes on the word? Are you looking to the Lord through looking at his word? Because that's one of the best revelation that you can ever get. Is not to go up on the highest mountain possible. You can go to the lowest place in the earth. If you have the word of God, you find everything that you need to seek the Lord and to know him. I want to say to you that often we need to also, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where Elisha had a servant and Elisha's servant was so aware of all the army um, and, and the soldiers coming against them to fight against them. It's another amazing story. And, and Elisha was just very relaxed. And what he did is he said, God, please open the eyes of my servant so that he may see the angels that are there for us. Makes you think of what John writes in 1 John 4, verse 4, where he says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's a spiritual understanding that we need to live with. And so often we need to have people that could come and pray for our eyesight and say, God, I pray for such and such that you will help him or her to see that you're at work. Sometimes our seeking of the Lord Needs just to also have friends that will come and say, listen, I'll pray with you and trust that you will see that God is with you, that God is in control. So I want to encourage you as I close, we need to make a deliberate effort, and I mean deliberate, to turn towards God and worship Him, like Jehoshaphat instructed the nation to do. Come and stand and see, but worship Him as you stand and see His salvation. You need to make a deliberate effort to, to seek Him, even in your greatest moment of fear. We need to make a deliberate effort to look for God through engaging His Word. We need to make a deliberate, a deliberate effort to practically say, we do not know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. I'm going to let you watch a song. And it's just the words that I want you to see, and you're going to be listening to it. And the words of the song is about what I've just shared with you this morning. It's about God, we look to you. You're the one where our help comes from. I want you to let this minister to your heart. And in that, where you need to make adjustments about seeking the Lord, why don't you do that as God speaks to you through the song? Let's watch it and uh, take it from there. You, you where my help comes from. 
came in wisdom You know just what to do
just consider these words, Lord God, of this song. We want to ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to look to you. Father, this morning where we have looked at so many other things and, and even at people instead of you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convict us and that you will guide us back to the place where we look to you. And may the story of Jehoshaphat, where he was indeed challenged, even had a father before him that didn't serve God the way he ought to have, but yet he purposed to not serve the balls and, and seek God. And that even when he was deeply stirred and, and distressed, he continued to seek you. Father, I, I, I want to ask that you will help us in this. That this will be a lifestyle for us. Not just in this moment. That we won't just let it be something real for Sunday the 12th of December. But it will be the way we live our lives. That we will constantly seek the Lord with all that we have. And whatever that may mean, Lord God, in our lives, that we will be prepared to take it and then implement it in every area of our lives. Jesus, we trust you for that. Jesus, we trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want to encourage you. I want you to look to the Lord. Let that be the way you live your life.